Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. It is another edition of Pizza at the Pagoda. This one is going to be an epically good dumpster fire of a show as we preview the 106th running of the greatest spectacle in racing. Qualifying weekend. Oh, my goodness. Connor Daly leading into the weekend, the biggest recorded trap speed in history. 240 plus miles an hour into turn three. 234 mile an hour laps on Saturday and Sunday. It was insane, but first we'll introduce the cast of characters here. The background noise I'm hopefully going to be able to edit out is Mike McCullen. He's driving somewhere near Buffalo, which is kind of unfortunate. It's better than Cleveland, but not by much. Jason Owens here with us as well as our Ben Carswell and James Watson. But first, we'll start things as always. Mike, please, dear God, tell me you're not drinking and driving while recording a podcast. <laughs> nope, I'm drinking a McDonald's Diet Coke. Only the best kind of Diet Coke, I do Coke, a case though. of beer in the back of the corner. It's a good place for it right now. Yes. We need you to make it to Indy. Didn't confirm that one. Get the cargo you are carrying with you there safely. And I mean family, not the beer in the back. Uh, J Jason, what are you sipping on tonight? Uh, keeping it uh, watery with uh, just a Miller Lite. Mm. I thought He's about getting uh, Mike a case of uh, Natty Light for when he gets here on Saturday to hang out. I are you guys going to go like... Are you going to burn something in the Coke lot while drinking it? I will not uh, be attending any Coke lot festivities. I, I, I know my place in this world, and it is not the Coke lot. No, uh, having a little get-together on Saturday afternoon with uh, some of the uh, uh, RAL and TNT iRacers and Indy Racing fan over at my nice. house. So We're going to cook some pizzas, some burgers, and drink some beers. That sounds wonderful. Uh, James Watson, what are you drinking, and will you be joining them? Um, I am drinking a special space-flavored uh, Coca-Cola. No, I'm not making that up. There is an actual Coca-Cola Starlight that I found at Aldi's yesterday, and it's actually pretty good. I, it's, it's a little sweeter than coke it doesn't have that weird coke taste it doesn't have the and, cocaine uh, flavoring it, yeah it, it, it does not and um i had the coke zero version of it and i yeah to describe the flavor yeah it, it's it it's tastes like stars mike yeah and i i'm hoping to to join them i uh I'm going to be a little late to the, the festivities. I, I won't be getting into the Indianapolis area till around um, 10, 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday, Saturday night. That's uh, funny. Uh, ben, what are you drinking tonight, by the way? Ben. I think Ben died. He's not here. He didn't have yeah. enough starlight in his uh, slushy beer. <laughs> uh, apparently. Well, if he keeps to the Shadow Jesus uh, theme, he'll be back in three days. 
<laughs> he knows what Indy means then. He had to get resurrected in time for Carb Day. <laughs> we'll see if we can get Ben back. I have a 12-ounce Bush Heavy, and I am ready to open a 16-ounce Bush Heavy. I will let you know if there's a difference in flavor between the two. I think um, it's just a third more heaviness. Potentially. I like how you've gone from Boddington's Pub Ale like earlier in the season to fuck it, Bush. He had scotch it, multiple times too, and now it he's depends. like... Well, it depends. Kind of what, what kind of night you're having. We're having a good week here. It's race week. You don't feel the need to drink heavily. 500 week is enough of a party. It's a natural stimulant. And it's it's Top Gun Maverick release weekend. Like it's all the American holidays in one. Yes, it is. Because the first Top Gun did great opening on the 4th of July. Why not milk a few more weeks of summer movie screenings out of it? And uh we may have carb day. That's not really the best part of Friday. We have carb night classic. Yes. Yes, we uh, do. We'll get to that one. But first, let's talk to Connor Baldwin here. Connor, how you doing, bud? That good, huh? He that is sounds doing great. well also. He's going to get uh, resurrected in time, too. Um, can you guys really not hear me? Oh, now we now can hear we you, can. Ben. Ben, what are you drinking? It's a well, All right, well, he's risen. Three minutes later, instead of three days, but you know. Um, well, as I said, I, I did a whole spiel. Glad you guys heard it. Yeah, uh, the Lord works in mysterious final, ways, Ben. Last can of my oatmeal stout six pack. That just sounds like disappointment in a can. It's really so good. Um, it sounds like our weather guy had a transformer blow. Um, he says, much like LeClaire, he has no power. Why? Ow, come on. <laughs> that goes very well grade. for the weather this that's weekend. Uh, yeah, that's a preview of the weather that will be impacting Indianapolis over the next couple of days. Uh, it's going to be a absolute pisser the next 48 hours. Yes. Um, I actually mowed today because... If I didn't, I wasn't going to be able to mow in time. Uh, potentially, we even just, washing We just out turned this Friday. into a dad podcast. You know, weather, mowing, power grids. Like, what's next? Like, beer. the beer, the efficacy of roundabouts and traffic oh my patterns. God, don't even like, get me started. You're gonna. I'm gonna be running for the bottle of scotch here shortly. <laughs> if you keep up the discussion of roundabouts. Uh, all right, so let's let's talk about last weekend. We saw stupidity, mainly from Takuma Sato. We saw some of the ballsiest driving in history from Sato and Jimmy Johnson. They both wrecked. In fact, Sato did wreck, but they he just neither one to hit anything. Yeah, uh, Sato hit the wall. He pancaked the wall and finished the run. It was impressive. Um, what do we make of qualifying weekend, though? What 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 are your overall impressions here, Mike? We'll go to you first. Oh, I think we need to add VK to the ball. 
Uh, hold on. You're a potato. <laughs> Jason, let's go to you. He's a potato. Oh, uh, and not the vodka kind either. Not the good kind. Um, I think, you know, I was really on the fence in the negative sense with regards to the change for the quick 12 or whatever the branding on that thing was. And then the fast six and the Rick Mears parade lap. And I was like, okay, this is just manufactured, but you know what? That was some of the most effective and engaging IndyCar television I've ever seen. And the viewership numbers bore it out up 50% year over year uh, is absolutely stunning and stellar. And even with the return of the wife cam preventing another 1 million people from tuning in, it was still a really well-watched broadcast. I, I don't understand your hate of wife cam. It's a tradition <laughs> at Indianapolis. Unlike any other. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, think about the history of things. Debbie Rahal and her reactions on race day. Chris Mears. Sandy Andretti was must-watch television. So the only, only good for the thing about wife cam is it gives them an excuse to have a camera on pit road next to the wall that they can have the wife in frame and then the cameraman can literally break his hip trying to keep the car in frame going down to give the ultimate sense of speed to the viewers. To me, that's the redeeming quality of wife cam and the only one. I I don't know. I like it. I think it's. I think wives are great. Like, with me, actually, so she can also give it, give it her impressions of life camp. Nope, I'm getting, I'm getting the big, the big no. <laughs> the big, <laughs> that's not the first time today. Mike's gonna get the big no. By the way, Mike, you're wow. sleeping on the couch at the uh, night's end tonight. And the, by the couch, I mean the floor. Uh, uh, all right. Hotel room with a couch. And I will probably uh, sleep on it tonight. Mike, let's now that you're no longer potatoed, what do you make of qualifying weekend? So I think we need to add VK to the list of ballsiest drives over the weekend. Yes. Hey. I see hey what you did there. <laughs> I so I I liked the format change because I th I think Chris, you brought it up during the live stream that Instead of talking about the guy who we know is not going to win the race most likely and the slow guys, we were talking about the fast guys all weekend. It wasn't about, hey, you know, who's on the bubble, who's at risk of not making it, which is a very negative connotation, a very negative conversation to say, who's going home? Who's, who's wasted the last couple of weeks versus who has done such a good job and who's the quickest guy here? I thought it was the right emphasis is that we put the emphasis on speed and we saw speed Dixon with the second fastest qualifying speed, the fastest front row since 1996. We saw an incredible display of speed over, over a weekend. And I, and I thought it worked out really well. I'm really excited for the, I'm more excited for the 500 than I was. And I've already, I was already very excited seeing qualifying last weekend. I am ready to be there and I, I can't wait for the 500 this weekend I think it's gonna be fantastic uh yeah I think we're we're in for an epic race but first 
Um, ben, let's go to you here. What'd you make of uh, qualifying this weekend? Well, I think it just adds more proof to my long held belief that Jimmy Johnson is the greatest racing driver of all time. <laughs> um, but <laughs> way to stay on brand, Ben. Way to stay on. Brand. I have a brand, and I'm going to stick to it. Uh, on a serious note, not that that wasn't serious, but on a more serious note, um, Ganassi is really freaking fast. Like I, they got all five into the fast twelve, and they had four in the fast six, and. If Jimmy had been able to set a lap, they might have had a different four in the fast six because he could have bumped Kanan. You know, like, I I really think that Ganassi is going to figure something out and they're going to be able to save fuel, run a team strategy for 150 laps, and then you're going to see a Ganassi car win. That's my takeaway. Uh, we, we will get to the picks in a little bit here. Uh, but first, James Watson, what do you think? At least your guy was quicker than Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to say he was at least uh the only Penske up there. That's uh that's a nice little thing to fall back on. Yeah, uh this now now this leads to something I've been wanting to talk about for a while and wanting to people to kind of look at. Is it me or are we really not talking about the severe lack of speed that Penske has shown at the 500 the last few years? Because, honestly, outside of Simon pretty much dominating 2019, the entire team has been pretty subpar at the 500. Like, last year, none of them were anywhere. Same for 2020. 2019, outside of, of Simon dominating and Will kind of backing into a top five, they haven't shown any speed at all. Like it's what does it incredible. say? Yeah, I agree, James. What does it say that ECR is routinely faster at Indy than Penske? Yeah, I, you know what? I don't, I don't know that you can say that ECR is faster than Penske at the speedway means anything, other than Carpenter is putting every ounce of effort they have into the speedway. The rest of the season is nothing Ed Carpenter racing. I mean, Ed's whole uh, identity is tied up with the Speedway and trying to win his his 500 that, that we all expect him to do. So, yeah, I, I think that, I think the Speedway is a bit of an outlier, and I think ECR isn't necessarily a bad team. I think, you know, if we were to use kind of what, you know, some of the Formula One terminology, right, you know, ECR is kind of best of the rest of them in a lot of cases. I think, I think that's, that's fair. a fair, yeah, that's a fair way to say that. I also think that Ed Carpenter is probably the one guy on the series that wants to see an all oval IndyCar series more than I do. <laughs> Again. Yes. <laughs> he's, um, he's the only guy. Uh we need we do need more ovals, but that's another discussion for another day. We've talked about how quick Ganassi is. We've talked about how Penske's off a little bit. But everything that we've heard and we saw in the practice reports says Penske is probably better suited to race conditions than they were the outright speed for qualifying day. 
that to me just says the race is going to be even more interesting because we have three of those cars, two of those cars, I should say, coming from fairly deep in the field. Nobody wants to take that bait, huh? Nope. <laughs> nope. We have you, all learned our lessons. Yep. You can tell me I'm an idiot. An idiot. I, I can hear my, point, my own voice in my ear, and it's driving me nuts. It's Mike. Did you get that looked at? Yes, I hear voices. I, I always knew you heard voices, man. Just continue You're the meds for a second. The rest of us. <laughs> That's right. Um, oh, okay. Hold up. What else? What else are we thinking here, boys? As we head into race weekend. So uh, you know what I'm thinking. What's that? Scotty Mack just tweeted that he took all his family from New Zealand, who he hasn't seen in two years because of the pandemic. Flew in last Friday morning for Qual Weekend, and he took them to St. Elmo's tonight to try the shrimp cocktail. That's a little spicy. It'll warm me up. That'll warm you up quick, but I, I love that Scotty Mack has embraced Indianapolis so much. You know, I know he's living in the Carolinas is where his home like is, and he's got a, a victory sim uh, sim rig, but it, it, the way he has embraced IndyCar racing is fantastic to see. It, you know, you can't not root for that guy. Um. Yeah, it, it's... Quite frankly, there's a lot of good stories coming out of this race. Dixon. Are there has, any bad stories other than. I mean, no, there's like no bad stories this um, year. Sato was dumb. I will say Dalton Kellett's wreck on in Monday practice. Um, that team's got a lot of work to go. But it's not necessarily a bad story because then it can become an underdog story, right? But it's a story. There's it's, nobody that you look at and they're like, there's nobody playing the heel this month. There's just dozens of really great stories. You know, even Ray Hall hasn't like shot off at the mouth this month. Uh, no, so, but we've heard some stuff about Grosjean again. Well, because Grosjean looked really out of his depth a few times, uh, particularly on Fast Friday. Uh, yeah, that's putting it mildly, quite frankly. Um, I, I guess it was Thursday that Grosjean was really uncomfortable, um, with the, quite frankly, the cars were just evil in those wins. Um, but it sounds like we're going to see some of that this weekend though, not to the extent that we had on Thursday. But it's going to be windy, and you're talking completely different conditions when you put damn near a half million people in that place. Nothing. Yeah. We are in full faxidin mode here, people. We oh, haven't even yeah. started drinking yet, uh, or at least not that heavily. We're all walking to the hotel. Even if we're not actually walking to the hotel, mentally we're walking to the hotel right now. Uh, yeah. I need to know How? like exactly what kind of hotel Mike is staying in in Indy this week. Did he get like the Red Roof Inn or an actual legit hotel? 
Is it a Howard Johnson? I think there's only like, like one of those Motel still in existence. Uh, there's one in Epsican, Epsican, New Jersey. I can okay, tell you apparently there's fact. two of them because there's one in central Pennsylvania too, right near Harrisburg. Maybe that um, is where he's. I think we lost Mike. Uh, yeah, he said he was going into the hotel. So he will be back. Oh, um, got it. I um, missed that part. I was drinking from him again. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. No, I don't want to think about that. What do we make of Pato and Felix Rosenquist performance uh, on Sunday? That one was kind of interesting to me because they were speaking of it's our third resurrection of the show. <laughs> <laughs> This is the podcast coming back from the dead. Mike McCullen <laughs> is joining us again. Uh, what do we make of Pato and Felix not making the fast six after putting up two of the quickest times in the opening round of qualifications on Sunday? Uh, Sorry, I think it's because they have the worst liveries in the field. Apron bad. Um. I don't. Wow. I don't know that I would read it too far into anything in the fast twelve itself. Honestly, like I think if they make the fast twelve, yes, they're that's a, as a team they're fast. They're fast. But once you get into the fast twelve and fast six itself, it's so like everything is so very fine and precise. Like I don't think you can really ding them. It's just they have a fast car. Pada was fast last year. I don't think they're yeah. in too much trouble. And yeah, they do I, have Juan Pablo on that team, by the way, who looked faster, you know, before all of his practices and qualifying were cut uh, short. Yeah, and then apparently yeah, he, he had a couple dozen cheeseburgers for lunch. And he, had, he had the slow car syndrome on that team, but his car also races faster. Uh, it's like the year Ryan Hunter Ray won, where he had the slowest car in qual and single car runs, but he had the best car in traffic and ended up winning the race, you know, like I, I would almost actually, I will say this. I think JPM is going to finish ahead of Pato and Rosenquist on Sunday. Write that down. Write that down. (laughs) Write that down. (laughs) I mean, the biggest, the biggest takeaway for me is they're not Ganassi cars. Cause like whatever Ganassi has going on right now, uh, this past weekend is something extraordinary because I and you know what that's extraordinary is and, it's Jimmy Johnson and I all right, <laughs> he's take. the 12th most extraordinary car in the field hot all right let me let me offer up a hot take with my expert commentary if Jimmy doesn't Jimmy Johnson has more wins at Indy than Ed Carpenter if Jimmy doesn't have to make that crazy save on lap one I feel like Jimmy makes it into the fast six Agreed. I, I think he's wearing his very smart opinion, James. I agree. Yeah, with I you. knew you would like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, had a his, I think Will Power gets too much criticism. I, I like Will Thank Power. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my you guys, God. He did have a big <laughs> you guys want to in my hotel room? <laughs> well, I you guys can have my room yourself. I've had the couch before, so. <laughs> there is a really nice drywall seam that they didn't tape well right across your ceiling. Oh, my there. God. Is that really what we're paying attention to? The dad of and Jason is. is coming out. He can't help you. Really. I cannot dissociate like, myself from my dad. <laughs> <laughs> drywall and spackle. 
He's like, oh, we can patch that seam up. My chair uh, is very short. This is so <laughs> off the rails. Join the club. <laughs> So no, but but seriously well, though, like to answer your question, I am staying in a true by Hilton uh, downtown. My favorite by, brand. Uh, I, by I, uh, I, Lucas Oil. I actually. Oh, oh you're already in Indy. Oh no, no where are you at tonight? Right yeah, I'm leaving to. I'm leaving for Indy tomorrow. I'm in Buffalo tonight. Got it. That true by Hilton is a pretty decent hotel down there by Lucas Oil. Why, thank you. I, 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 I say that as a I true Hilton Diamond member who is well versed in the different brands That's of the Hilton. Not portfolio. a surprise in the slightest. The, the dad antics continue. <laughs> a Diamond member at Hilton. That's not. Because Jason extols the the benefits of hotel. Yeah, are, are we yeah. are we all shocked that Diamond Hilton member? No, he. he he pro that's probably how he buys his house and his ten thousand wheels is using some sort of Hilton just using Hilton points. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's how we go on vacations, is the Hilton points. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, no, James, you got it backwards. He buys the ten thousand dollars worth of sim gear, it earns him ten thousand points on the credit card with the of hotel. Course. <laughs> it pays for like three weeks of hotel now. nights. It All right, um, let's, we're let's, so far off the rails. I was going to say, let's progress <laughs> to the end of qualifying here. Hey, by the way, Hilton uh, Corporate, if you want to sponsor the podcast, we could be Pizza at the Pagoda brought to you by... Yeah, uh, We're probably not fancy enough for, like, Curio Collection, but we totally are, like, enough. the Hilton Garden Inn of podcasts. Yeah, yeah I think we're the garden. Some of us can't podcast. afford to vacate, so we need all the help we can get. Please, thank you. Holy <laughs> crap! Right. I mean, that, that's a knock pick there, right? You got to uh, tell Connor about that one. We we did make picks for indie qualifications this past weekend. Let's review those. That. No, let's skip to the race. Yeah, why don't, why don't we do that? Oh, my, my pick was good. Before let's we get to totally picks. off the rails here, um, <laughs> so here's how we're scoring the points. For indie qualifications, your winner, you got 12 points for first, one point for 12th. On the losers, 12 points for 12th, one point if that driver earned the pole. So it's basically like a freebie bonus weekend. Um, and quite frankly, we were very mediocre uh, in As our picks here. Are. Pretty much. Yeah. Ben took Jimmy Johnson as your pole winner. He qualified at 12th in the Firestone Fast 12. Great pick there, Ben. Um, that earned him one solitary point. James, I wouldn't laugh, bud, because you took Will Power. Yeah, qualifying but let we get to the anchovy. I get a whopping two points. You got two points for yes, Will Power. Jason By the Owens way, Will Power didn't make a mis he didn't have a spinning qualifying, a near miss of a wreck. He was just that yeah. slow. <laughs> yeah, he was he slow. Jimmy Johnson wrecked. He just didn't hit anything. That. that was like he just went wide. Okay, it wasn't even a real like moment like Jimmy had. Let's not compare. He had it. To uh, on the straightaways. That's not his fault. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, Next. Jason Owens took Ed Carpenter as your pole sitter. Ed having a very nice run to fourth place. That earns Jason nine points. Mike McCullen, Scott Dixon, 
your new all-time fastest pole sitter at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, over 234 miles an hour, 234.046, the four-lap average for Scott Dixon. The Iceman was hot on Sunday, man. That was unreal. Uh, he enjoyed think, him some Taco Bell Sunday night. Yes, I know he that. did, too. Uh, he actually, he commented that the one he got robbed at was closed. Like, the, the actual location is closed down. So he couldn't go to that one. Uh, they had to go to a different Taco Bell. I think he Sunday got night. the uh, newly re-released uh, Mexican pizza. I don't know. I haven't had What do yet, we though. think Scott Dixon's standard order is? I'm going to go with like a chili cheese burrito, a Doritos. <laughs> is this taco, really what we're doing? And wow, a Chalupa we're really Supreme. at the bottom of the iceberg now, ladies and gentlemen. Holy shit. We're not doing good here. The anchovy picks of the weekend. Ben took Roman Grosjean. Not a bad pick. Came home ninth in qualifying, earning Ben 10 points. Uh, James Watson. Took Jimmy Johnson, earning him a solid 12 points. So he's not going to lose much in terms of the point lead. Don't call him a comeback. (laughs) Jason Owens took Tony Kanaan. DK qualified six, right mid-pack. Not a bad call. Earning him, uh, let's see, yeah, six points. I took, excuse me, Mike. We'll go to Mike. He took Takuma Sato qualifying uh, Sato qualified 10th earning Mike 10 points and I had Marcus Erickson qualifying in the middle of row number two rolling off in the fifth position earning me a solid five points so the qualifying winner Mr. Mike McCullen with 22 points Woo! Jason Owens and I tied at 15, followed by James and then Ben. Uh, so it doesn't really change things much in terms of the points here. Uh, every bit, every little bit matters, especially with double points this weekend. Uh, well, I was going to say the double points picks for this weekend are going to be a big, big deal here. Uh, what are we thinking here as what are we going to see on race day, guys? I got a question first yeah. before we do that, Chris. Should we do the standard like newspaper clip out where we do pepperoni, anchovy, and have a first out pick? No. That will confuse my spreadsheets. Oh, okay. And I don't want to keep track of it. You could call like a double pineapple. Anybody that orders double pineapple on a pizza is actually just a communist. I'll stick to that, by the way. Nothing? No. That really gets nothing from you guys? No, I'm actually, I'm actually uh, confi- like, I'm looking at the live grid on the IMS website, mm-hmm. and it currently shows that Steph Wilson Stephen is Wilson qualifying. Is qual- he's still qualifying, <laughs> yes. We're four days in to Steph Wilson's qualifying run. That's been been blinking that way since like Sunday afternoon. Um, Okay. So what do we see here? I mean, we have the crazy fast Dixon or uh, Ganassi Armada led by Scott Dixon, Alex Palou, Marcus Erickson, TK. 
do they kind of gang up and try to run away with this? Are we going to see some craziness out of VK and Carpenter? It feels like the Speedway picks its winners. And sometimes that tone is set early. Sometimes we don't know who that's going to be until late in the race. What are we going to see here this Sunday? Uh, Mike, we'll start with you on that. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, Dixon has said that, you know, that he is, you know, it's not fuel save this year. He is full, you know, full speed ahead. He is ready to go. You know, he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to, you know, wait to have a strategy run. He really wants to, you know, to go forward and, and go for a win. So I think, I, I think we're going to see a charge ship Dixon. And if he carries the type of that we saw last weekend a fired up scott dixon in a fast car is scary bad scott dixon earlier this week mentioned on the peacock broadcast that he told mike hall i'm done fuel saving i'm done with strategy it's time to go like hell that's um scary very scary here if go like hell is 234 and he's turning 227 laps in the race, 225 laps in the race, you're out of there. That's that is completely different zip code from what everybody else is doing. Um Ben, you're probably the most allegedly expert of all of us here as our IndyCar writer for NRN. What do you think we see? Um Honestly, I'm not really entirely sure what to what to think. I, I just think that I I really don't know because throughout qualifying it's been the Ganassi and ECR show. And I I don't know that that's really indicative of a race. And it's been that way it's been the Sato and Ganassi show throughout practice. And I don't know if that's indicative of the race. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I think this is what we're going to look at. You're going to see Sato. You're going to see the Ganassi cars. You're going to see ECR up there again, like they were last year. And you're just going to see those guys trying to see, hey, do we get to the fuel strategy or not? Does it turn into a fuel strategy race? Do we see wrecks? We've only had one wreck the entire month. Well, not the entire month, but the entire in oval practice, oval sessions. We've had one wreck, and that was as soon as they started doing race things. We had one wreck, and it was Kellett. Uh, <laughs> is that almost you know, too clean? It is. It feels too clean. Yeah. I still don't know how Kellett got that like I, I understand the arrow snap that he got. It's just it, it looks almost like something you could have seen coming. Like it Yeah, just, he lit he got that throttle off oversteer. Yeah. Where and the it, rear gets light and the front gets more downforce from the weight shift and it just it went. As soon as he so, tucked in behind, he just lost all. He, but he didn't uh, tuck in behind. Grip. He he got outside, and all day long you'd seen a lot of guys on the inside back out there, and Groshan did not back out. Like didn't do the courteous thing. 
not and that is not a blame at all because it's race practice. It's just saying you'd seen a lot of guys back out there and maybe Kell had expected him to, and they both went for the same real estate and Kell trashed a car. Um, yeah, I don't want to put blame on Kellett, but I want to put blame on Kellett. It feels like he could have avoided that. Like it just feels like there's a lot of things where he could have seen that crash coming. Yeah, well, especially knowing that he could see the rookie stripes on uh, Grosjean's car in front of him. And it's Grosjean, right? Grosjean's driven like this the whole year. <laughs> I, I, well, I will say he's this, though. never hindsight used it. is always twenty twenty, but in some instances, backing out of that. Uh, the only way Kellett backs out of that is if he does it almost at the start finish line. Right. You're not backing out a split second before you enter turn one. That's even worse than what happened because then you're probably talking about taking out two cars in that instance. It, it's yeah, still, I, I I'm still uneasy though about the lack of, of contact, the lack of issues that we've seen after the test, when we had willpower spinning, Elio spinning, and making pretty heavy contact, her to put a car in the fence. It seemed like the entire oval practice was as much about don't wreck your stuff as it was really putting the gas down. It almost makes me question if we've seen. Have we seen the nuts out of everybody? Yeah. I think I, we have teams that are sleeping in a very big way. I, I just think there's... I, I think you're right all, on there. It's, go ahead, Ben. No, you got it. You got it. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just... I, I think you're right. I think I think guys have been playing it safe this month. I mean, maybe it's, you know, maybe we're just in it for a year of, you know, guys, you know, not crashing stuff, but... It does feel a little like, uh, I don't know, it does feel a little like there's been conservative driving throughout the field. Like, we've seen, you know, no real serious incidents other other than Khaled, a couple of near incidents, you know, the biggest thing in the ball. And I, and I, and I, I want to be really clear, I, it's not a bad thing that we're not seeing guys junk in equipment. It's not a bad thing that we're not seeing some of the horrifying crashes leading up to the leading up to Sunday that we've seen in the past. It's that's not a bad thing at all. But I, I think you're right. I think some guys might be might have been playing it safe for the month. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I it'll be really interesting to see kind of how, you know, when the first yellow comes out on, on Sunday. Because we, we we expect it. It's just it doesn't seem like guys have been doing the dangerous stuff or the you know the trying to find the limits uh that they've that they've done in the past, right? You know, we had those incidents, you know, years ago. You know, but even last year, I think with with Karam and you know and Ferrucci and you know guys, you know, trying, you know, making mistakes and, and kind of figuring out where the limits are before the before the race. It, yeah, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting. I, I'm reminded of one of the Delta Force intros. I want to say ninety one, maybe nineteen ninety. AJ Foyt talking about there's two kinds of guys that haven't been scared at the speedway. Those that haven't gone fast enough and those that haven't been hurt. We saw that out of Grosjean. We saw some spook in his eyes. He was definitely shook up leaving pit lane on Thursday. 
we haven't really seen that out of any of the younger crew. I'm thinking of guys like Christian Lundgaard, Kyle Kirkwood, Devlin DeFrancesco. Those guys, I don't know they've tested the limits yet. And race day is not a real good time to try pulling that stunt off. Yeah, so that that's... I think they fall into that first camp, right, of the having gone fast enough. See, the thing is, Grosjean has gone fast. He's He's been hurt, right? I mean, it's, it's sort of a, a famous thing now, right? He, he, he went into that fire and came out. He had that life and death experience right there. And now he's going this fast and he's really getting shook up by it. But I think Grosjean's a veteran. He can overcome that. It's gonna be the, it's gonna be the the De Francescos and the Lungards and the Malukases, maybe not Malukas because that kid seems like he's made of steel or something, but you know maybe not Kirkwood because he's just that talent. But you know these younger guys are gonna be a little freaked out, and they're gonna hang back the first hundred laps until you know we see them start making mistakes. And I think that's what it's going to be about. What What is the rookie class this year? It's like five, six rookies. What is it? Eilat, Lundgaard, uh, Malukas, Kirkwood, DeFrancesco, Grosjean, Johnson. Did I get them all? Seven? Uh, Seven. Yes. Seven is the number of rookies this year. And we can um, discount Jimmy and Grosjean from that because I think they have so much more experience. I, I disagree. I, but I don't but I'm saying from the Grosjean. being spooked, well, Grosjean from this, my my point here is this. I don't think Jimmy is going to be as spooked by the speeds, by being around other cars this close. Because he's done this, he did it at Texas, and he got his adjustment over, and he's ready to go. I think Grosjean will pick it up quicker because he's got so, more experience, but I'm talking about these younger guys. So as a look at the mistakes we saw. Yeah. As as a resident Jimmy Johnson expert, do you think Jimmy might be overconfident and might try to do something with an Indy car that he would do with a stock car and it's going to have disastrously different results? No. You at least think that's a Because that's not that's not Jimmy Johnson. I think if you put Kyle Bush in that seat, then I would say yes. But again, we're just Jimmy Johnson. He made a career off of being do what the car can, Mr. Technical, Mr. Patience, Mr. Be I'm just going to put, be patient. Uh, yeah, I'm well, gonna put the same lap in for 50 laps in a row, and I'm just going to beat you by pure consistency and talent. I, I was going to say, Jimmy Mr. Johnson Russell. made a career out of 32nd or better to win the championship. He's of the rookies, probably the most level-headed rookie that the Speedway has seen in a very long time. Uh, I totally agree, Chris. Like, out of the rookies, he has the... And I'm not saying he will finish the best out of the rookies, but the way he approaches a 500-mile race and car updates and setup changes and progression and improvement through the race... Coupled with how CGR has handled pit stops so far this year, I, I think he is most likely out of the rookies to finish in top in the top five. 
do I think he wins? I think it would be cool. I'd rather see him get like a two, three, or four and keep the bug and come back for another year. I think that's good for IndyCar. But I think he has the demeanor and the approach that he will be able to handle the ups and downs, the trials and tribulations and travails of a 500-mile IndyCar race that maybe a lot of the the youngins and the other rookies won't. Like they talked about on Peacock, Jimmy Johnson has run to completion more 500-mile races in a racing vehicle than the rest of the field has combined in their racing careers. So from a mental aspect, you know that Jimmy Johnson is going to be there on lap 180 mentally and locked in. Now, does he have the car? Does CGR give him the car underneath him? I don't know. Is his is his body going to, like, to keep the Top Gun theme going, is his, uh, like, mind going to write some checks that his body can't cash? Oh, I don't know. Everyone but, that. You went and by there. The way, I am drinking now. I did. Go. I yep. have a beer. I was gonna say, mm. drink. What are you drinking? I don't know, like? but I, I like it. I think I it's a good. Nice. America's oldest brewery. Stop for gas. Uh, okay. I think there's Let's... a rookie. There is a rookie we haven't really brought up, um, and it's Devlin DeFrancesco. Oh God! Mm. Right. So how many cars is he gonna wreck when he? We're gonna get to him wrecked. in just a moment. Let's do. A review of the field of 33. We'll start from road number 11. Some of these will be very quick. Some of these we might cover a little bit longer, but row 11, starting 33rd after not getting a qualifying time in. Another record breaker. The first driver in more than a century to run the Indianapolis 500 without qualifying for the race. Stefan Wilson. Middle of row 11, Jack Harvey. Inside of row 11, Christian Lundgaard. Two Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan cars on the last row of the field. Yeah, that's tough. That's I think our good. silence says everything about how we feel that's, about RLO right that's now. Not good. Yeah. I, yeah. Graham was pretty negative throughout almost every session. And considering how much we've heard by the broadcast about well, you know, Graham and Jack are just so on the same page. They really love the same things. And then you hear Graham just going, I hate this car. It sucks. It doesn't bode well for everybody else. It really doesn't. Yeah. And without your your Sato there to really help you, the guy who's won it twice, I understand Graham's been here a lot. I understand he's, he's good here, but... Can we say Graham's not a winner? He's What's a it been? A decade? Yeah. He's a, he's I a, think the bigger concern for me is with all the investment that Hyvie is making in the sport, that Jack Harvey is not living up to the level of investment that Hyvie is making. Uh, that just means Hyvie will cut the checks to somebody else next year. I sure hope so, because I, I love everything that I see with Hyvie. Uh, all right, let's move up to row number 10, and I will ask the question this way. Is there one or two drivers capable of winning the 500 lining up on the 10th row? Juan Pablo two. Montoya in 30th, Dalton Kellett in 29th in a very much repaired race car, and Kyle Kirkwood inside of row number 10. 
I think we could see. I'm not. This is not a prediction. I'm just saying that I would not be surprised if we saw a furthest back starter uh, to win the race this year than we have since like 1932. Um, between and, and we'll get to Elio in the next row, but Kirkwood or JPM, if they can get the pit stops right and they can make some passes, I think both have an opportunity to win, especially how Kirkwood's car looked in traffic this month. Uh, yeah, Kirkwood would tie the record for furthest back starter, held actually by Ray Haroon. Uh, and but they started five wide that year, so does it really count? Uh, well, he was the deepest starter in the field at 28th to ever True. win the race. So uh, Montoya would break that record, and we've seen him come from back to front. His second win, he was 33rd, what, 30 laps in? Yeah. I mean, literally, you could have pulled a pill and said, Juan, you're starting 33rd. All right. I don't <laughs> he's think just, he cares he's where that he starts. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now we're going to move up to what is quite possibly the best row nine in the history of the race at this point. Elio Castro Neves, a four-time winner of the 500 starting on the outside and a guy who has tied with Scott Dixon, the most second place finishes in 500 history. Elio has four wins and five second place finishes. He has the highest average finishing position. Anyone that started more than five races, if I recall correct. Yes. Yeah. The guy is a machine at the speedway. We can't count him out. The middle of row nine, starting 26, Scott McLaughlin for Team Penske. And inside of row nine, Colton Herta rolling off 25th. Three potential yeah, race winners in that row. Yeah, but look at the row they have in front of them to contend with at the start. <laughs> I could just see Herta say, I'm going to go full eye racing here. Can I just start from pit lane? <laughs> I'll just roll out after they pass. We'll be good. I mean, he's got Sage and DeFrancesco in the row in front of him. Like, I, You know what? Sage Karam is my... We'll move up here to row eight. Devlin DeFrancesco outside. Marco Andretti in the middle. Sage Karam on the inside. Sage Karam is my dark horse pick to win the 500. If he can keep the race car under him... He is incredibly fast at the speedway. Is there anyone less likable in the field than the combination of Sage Karam and, and Ferrucci? Like, I will hold my tongue. <laughs> yeah, I think oh, everybody no, is. No, we want to hear the. I want to hear this. Yes, Karam comes off a bit douchebag. Okay, a lot douchebaggy. As does Santino Ferrucci. We'll get to him in a little bit. When you're talking about picking winners and losers, I really don't care how douchebaggy you are. If I you had to pick yeah. Michael Andretti or the field every year that Michael ran, I want Michael Andretti. Well, not at Indy. Absolutely at Indy. Until he left, honest to God, you had to he say every year well every you year. went he into the in speedway condition. going, it's his year. It's got to be his year. 
Well, not until he changes that name. Little Andretti joke. Um, speaking of Andretti, they have the most dislikable driver in the field right now. Oh, wait. Marco okay. Andretti? Uh, <laughs> no, actually. But Marco's the only IndyCar driver that has ever blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> I might be the only person Marco hasn't blocked, and that's only because I don't, I don't say anything. Um, okay. <laughs> How important... Is it for Marco Andretti to maybe get a 500 win? Is there a story that puts IndyCar on the front page of every newspaper more than Andretti wins 500? Jimmy Johnson wins 500? Yeah, or Romain Grosjean wins 500. One of those two. But I think Grosjean more for international appeal. Um, which I kind of hope doesn't happen because then you have to deal with all the idiotic F1 fans going, he was terrible in F1. He didn't get nine podiums at all. It's like he raced for the worst team in modern history. (laughs) I have no fucking thoughts. You know, F1 fans and NASCAR fans are very alike. They only think about one kind of motorsport, and they don't think about anything else, and they sit there and go, oh, but you didn't do it here. We're so great. I mean, I've seen plenty of IndyCar people also have the same. I think all fan bases are really terrible when it comes to that, and it's something that has always annoyed me. James, I haven't heard your voice in like 30 minutes. I was going to say, I can't believe James, James is still driving something on iRacing. I was about to moment. say, like, what uh, 82 series did he run a race in over the last 37 minutes? And then right, come back. We've covered, and- we've covered row eight. Let's move up to row number seven. Is there a potential race winner in this row? Graham Rahal starting on the outside. Alexander Rossi in the middle. Callum Eilat rolling off 19th inside no, of the there's seven not. Row. Because yes, Alexander Rossi has, okay, I, I would say that is more likely, but Alexander Rossi <laughs> has Brian Barnhart on his box. I, I was There's zero percent chance that any car with Brian Barnhart calling strategy will win the Indianapolis 500. Full stop. <laughs> yeah, how, I, okay. I how is the great Brian Barnhart still employed? I, I don't. I know some of you guys don't go far enough back in this. Robin Miller's mailbag years ago. It literally was TGBB. When you were talking about race control, it was the great Brian Barnhart. Uh, he went from Jackman at Penske to IndyCar race director. What, no stops Chris, in between. No stops in between. Chris, he still jacks things up. He still jacks things up. But it's hilarious today in a group chat. I said... Brian Barnhart is the embodiment and proof that that book, The Peter Principle, is true. <laughs> Failing upward, the Brian. Failing Barnhart upward story. is the, the. Actually, that's going to be the name of the Brian Barnhart movie. Is Failing Upward? There you go, Hollywood. <laughs> we made it for you. Does anybody come shake his hand if Rossi manages to win on Sunday? Despite <laughs> no, they no, because they all know that Rossi would win in spite of him. I mean, literally, guys. To give you the history here, Brian Barnhart made a show of himself on qualifying weekend. 
every driver before they went out on the racetrack, the camera would have to get way zoomed in on the cockpit, like holding the camera in the cockpit so you could hear the conversation. And Barnhart would reach in and give him like the bro handshake and be like, all right, bud, give me four good ones now. And then it would be time for the car to go out. To be clear, this is the same Brian Barnhart that sent the field green at New Hampshire Motor Speedway while it was raining and they were on slicks at an oval. So yes, like it, it gave us the greatest the, the, the greatest, greatest gift in, all in time. the history of gifts. The willpower double bird, double bird was actually directed at Brian at Barnhart. Brian Barnhart. <laughs> right. Yep. He needs uh, you know what? He's getting a pot he's getting an episode. He should have a, a I am, Okay, we'll we'll break this news now here, middle of the podcast. Um we are doing a series of videos for YouTube on some of the coolest stories surrounding the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the IndyCar series. One will be premiering on Friday. That's the records that could be broken episode. Uh, and then we're going to have them coming out one a week over the next handful of weeks. One on the Jigger Award and Jigger Saras, the unluckiest guy in the history of the Speedway. Worse than anything the Andretti's have ever done. Uh, also, Jim Neighbors and one on Cyrus Patchkey, a guy with no starts, one win, and two top five finishes. And he only ever competed. In the 1911 Indy 500. Do the mental it's gymnastics there. No, no, it's a good story. He also ran out at uh, Jogo Park, I, I think, a little bit later in life. Yep. Uh, he he ran some pretty insane places, quite he frankly. Really? But like, that was a dude that would run anything that would murder him. A 24-hour race at the Altoona board track. But what, did he eat the pizza? I, I doubt Altoona pizza was a thing then. That's Row a pizza five. reference, by the way. We can't have those on this show. <laughs> row number six. I think so we have I, three I think possible six, race winners here. Row six, please. If So when Hildebrand was like a whole lot of numbers to one, I put a, a couple bucks on Hildebrand. If he wins, I win 10 grand. So... I'm all in on the Hildebrand win. Uh, row six outside Connor Daly. He is always quick at the speedway. J.R. Hildebrand, maybe the second unluckiest guy ever at the speedway. And inside, if they called the caution Simon Pagino, properly, he would already have a, a win. Yes. But again, Brian Barnhart doing Brian Barnhart things. The car was over pace car speed, and J.R. Hildebrand would be a 500 winner in a wreck race car. I like that we let that marinate twice. Pain. It still hurts. It still hurts. That would have been one of the I, best stories ever at the Speedway. And in hindsight, it turns into one of the greatest stories in the history of the Speedway. Uh, but... Mike, I want to hear your thoughts here on Connor Daly. Yeah, I, I, 
No, no. So my, my thoughts on Connor, he has been quick at the speedway, obviously set the fastest recorded trap speed we've seen. But then he just seemed like he was kind of nowhere on Saturday. And you've got Ed and, and Renus, you know, in the fast six. And then Connor is kind of nowhere. And I'm just wondering what they got wrong with that car. And it sounded the like draw. You know, it, the draw. It, it, he had so the hottest track temp of any ECR car by like eight so, degrees over Ed. Yeah. So yeah. if he's got the kind of speed that, that Renus and Ed Ed have, as long as he can keep it out of other people other people's messes, because I am other I imagine there's going tires. to be messes in front of him. <laughs> yes. Flying yeah, if if Connor has somehow managed to exercise his his bad luck and has passed it all off to to someone else in the field, I, he could be bad fast, but it's I'd, I'd like to see Connor win, right? As you know, as somebody who shares the same medical affliction as, as Connor Daly, having him win five on the end would be a huge, you know, huge thing for me. Um, I'd love to see him win. I just, I'm, I'm concerned that you know he just didn't seem to be there on Saturday. But if we're if we're thinking it's weather related and, and you know he just got a bad draw, you know. We might be yeah, he, he was hosed by the draw. Hosed by the draw. So, uh, Mike, we've got a work event um, tomorrow where JR is coming into the office and is going to um, fundraise for T1D. Um, fantastic. Which is fantastic. But I also wanted to make sure that you also rooted for JR so that he could win. In easily. The most Connor Daly paint job in the field, by the way, but it's being piloted by J.R. Hildebrand. That's a that's actually a really good call. <laughs> I mean, that, that like the sense. way that flag is on the car, that is the mullet laden Indy car <laughs> in this field. The way the flag drapes across it. I, yes, I love the paint job for J.R. Hildebrand. Um, what would garner a larger crowd reaction? Connor Daly winning the 500 or his boss winning the 500? His boss, mm. 100%. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I think Ed by Frat, like, just a like, little bit. I think, I think by a decibel, Ed. Yeah. I, uh, I okay. think the only thing with JR. They still blow is... the roof off the place if he does. Either yeah. way. Yeah. Like, it's, a, it's a native son, like uh, either adopted or native Hoosier. Um, because Ed was not born in Indiana. Most people don't know that. Um, but we still claim yeah, him. Does, yeah, I say, does he count? He counts? Yeah, he counts. You gotta take what counts. you can get when you live in Indiana. I, I, I mean, if we're not Ohio. If, if Connor wins, <laughs> the city, the, the town of Speedway burns. If Ed wins, Indianapolis burns. Central like, Indiana is like burnt to the ground. Like <laughs> the entirety of the nine county metro area turns into the Coquat Sunday night if Ed <laughs> wins the 500. It's the, it will be the largest Coquat in Indy 500 history. If Connor Daly were to win, he would become the first Indiana native to win the 500 since Wilbur Shaw in 1940. That's an insane statistic. That's a crazy statistic. Uh, yes, the place would go nuts. Now that we've completely ignored Simon Pagano, guy well, I was going to get to that in the last point. couple of years. Go ahead, Ben. 
I was just going to say that um, MSR has looked really terrible. There's really no way around that Meyer Shank has just not looked good. At all. They've and got they have the leftover from the... Andretti. Technical lion. And I don't know how much Elio and Simon, who are arguably two of the greatest at the Speedway, Elio obviously one of the greatest of all time at the Speedway. Simon is obviously no slouch. I don't I don't know how much they can do to to help this by the race, but it doesn't look good for them. Which is kind of disappointing. Is, do we think there's any merit to the I'll say whispers that have been heard that after last year and the reaction to Meyer Shank winning, that maybe the spigot turned down a little bit on that Andretti technical alliance with Meyer Shank, at least when it comes to the speedway. That sounds an awful lot about what we heard with Gibbs and Furniture Row after Truex won his in the 78. That kind of sounds awfully familiar. They've been really bad this year. Everywhere. It's a bit conspiracy theorist, but yeah, I could I could see it. I think that wouldn't surprise me at all. If they if suddenly Andretti started sending the the less great dampers off to uh, off to Meyer Shank. You're not talking about being off by much. You're talking about being off by tenths of a percent in terms of yeah. our best stuff is at 100%. We're going to give these guys the stuff that's 99% We're gonna of the, the way there. We're going to give them the 3-9 stuff. That's, that's <laughs> not the same right? as the best stuff you have. Now, at the same time, yeah. Andretti has been off as well. Yeah, well, so 3 nines off Andretti puts you where you have Pagano and Elio. Bingo. All right, but we got to move along here. We're already almost an hour and 15 minutes in here. Row number five, we're going to ignore the outside and inside of the row. I'll explain why in a second. Santino Ferrucci starting on the outside. Joseph Newgarden lining up in the middle of row five. David Malukas inside lining up in the 13th position. Roger Penske has fired drivers in the past that he felt couldn't win at the Speedway. Tom Sneva won a national championship and was fired the same offseason by Roger Penske. Gary Bettenhausen, one of the fastest guys ever at the Speedway, was fired by Roger Penske because he felt his sprint car activities hurt his performance at the Speedway. If Newgarden doesn't win or at least perform very well, is he on a bit of a hot seat? No. Are, we, are you saying it's, it's a kinder, gentler uh, Roger Penske? I'm saying I that mean, for one, Roger Penske isn't the absolute god and all, end all at, at Penske Racing. I think I think maybe Tim Sendrick would kind of go, Roger, no, we cannot do that. We cannot I mean, get rid of Joseph Newgarden. Let's not forget uh, that Montoya, Montoya was fired like a season after he almost led the the points the entire season but the last race so i wouldn't exactly put it past them pagino was well, done at penske until he yeah. swept the month of may Will Power was on a very hot seat until he won the 500 
Yeah, but those guys haven't it's won two championships in the last, what, four years. But they've won championship for Roger before. Yeah, but, but like, I don't... Joseph is... I'm having... A, I'm like, what IndyCar, IndyCar driver is more complete and better than Joseph? I really... You'd have a... It's tough to make an argument. Would you swap really. Joseph Newgarden for Kyle Kirkwood if given the chance? I don't know. I don't know if I swap for Kirkwood, but I, I there's a rumor of an Andretti driver uh, being on the market next year who has signed a contract. I would swap him for yeah. I would swap him for Herda. Rossi? I would swap him. Rossi. No, not a million years. Not anymore. Maybe if this happened a couple no, years never. ago, I'd say I don't know. I'd say Rossi was a a potential front runner for a Penske seat until the last few seasons happened. I could see it maybe in like 2016. But once Newgarden won those championships and Ross started choking him, you, you get that line. But, but my point, my larger point here, I don't think that Roger and especially not everyone around Roger in the C-suite of Penske Racing is going to let him get rid of Newgarden because he can't win a 500. Newgarden is clearly good at ovals. He just hasn't had the luck of the draw yet. Look how long it took TK. Look how long it took Power. Look how long it took Dixon. Right? I don't really think you can, this especially not in this have gotten, have gotten worse. Like, the closest he's been, he had a third back when he was with Ed back in 2016, and then a, a couple of fourths, an eighth, and then it's just like, you know, a 12th and 20. Yeah, Yeah, which leads me uh, back to my earlier point. How bad is Penske at the Speedway all all of a sudden? I don't know. I I feel like Ed can trim better than Roger. You know what I mean? Like the trimming, the speed. ECR has always been very, very good at that. VK was on the front row last year. Ed was fourth last year. But Penske... I don't know. Okay, I, I just feel a bit of race. Are strategy. you saying that that Ed can Ed's team can build a you know a setup in a car for for qualifying and then kind of you know screw it up on race day? Is that is that what I'm? That's what they no, did in Barber. <laughs> I mean, that is what they did in Barber. But I think the ECR team maintains so much institutional knowledge from the IRL days. When all of those cars were basically the same from an aero brick perspective and from a motor perspective, that they have a setup book on mechanical grip maximization and mechanical drag reduction that is significantly better than anyone else's in the paddock. And it is a direct so, result of how they dominated in the IRL days. And that is different than how most of the other teams achieve their speed at the speedway. Uh, let's let's not forget last year, Connor Daly led the most laps of anybody in the race last year. And until Graham Rahal's crew forgot how to put a wheel nut on, Connor may have been on the trajectory to win the race. He was. There I know was, he was. He, yeah, was, was. he was a little bit alt strategy, but that car was the race winning car last year. That car um, was quick. 
it was impressive. Back, and I'm kind of looking, you know, historically since about 2015 or so. Really, after that, Penske has had car at the speedway that's great, and the others are kind of mediocre. Like, you know, 17, Castroneves is in second, and then you've got a 14th, a 19th, a 23rd, and a 6th. 18, Power wins it, and then you've got an 8th, a 27th, and a 6th. 19, when Pagano won it, you know, 4th, 5th, and 18th. Um, 2020, 5th, 11th, 14th, and 22nd. 2021, 12th, 20th, 30th, and 3rd. Right? It, there's, it seems like there's one car in the Penske's that has it, and then there's the others that just don't. So, is that, uh, yeah, is that power this year? Well, and, and bringing things back to New Garden, last year finished 12th after starting 21st. Um, his prior finishes, 5th, 4th, 8th, 19th for Penske. He gets the car to the end. In the vast majority of his 500 starts, he's only DNF'd twice, dating back to 2012. There's a, It just feels like there's a difference between guys that you look at that can win at the speedway and guys that you go, yeah, they ran here a lot. I mean, and, other, like, look at Ed. Like, other than 2020, which time of year was different from the setup book and the incident early in the race... Like, he's got, like, a second, a sixth, a fifth. Like, other than that, his worst finish is what? Like, uh, an 11th? 31st. Uh, <laughs> no, other than, Didn't the, he other than that 2020. Year uh, okay. He, Carpenter has one, two, three, four, five, six top 10 finishes. Yeah, the 31st was in 2016. Career starts. <laughs> That's pretty darn good. You know, like, and I have the front wing off the second place finish car up in my office here. There is a giant hole right through part of the wing where a either a wheel nut or a piece of crash debris went through the wing and took the downforce off. And he's talked about how after they drove through the debris from that wreck, he didn't have the speed that he had before. And it's like, we talk about how the Speedway chooses the winner, right? Like, that one little thing, that, and it's like, I'll send you guys some pictures. Like, it's like a one-inch by two-inch chunk just out of the top of the front wing. That amount of downforce differential takes a potential race-winning car to a second-place car. And it's why 500 miles at this place is absolutely magical. Uh, let's let's progress forward here. What even here. row are we're, we on at this point? We're going to basically going ignore to the fourth four. row. We're <laughs> almost going to ignore the fourth row only because we've talked about it so much. Right. Jimmy Johnson yeah. starting outside of, of row four and 12th. Will Power starting middle of row four in the 11th <laughs> position. Inside, Takuma Sato will roll off in the 10th position. Real quick, real now quick. We're getting, real quick. Yeah. We, do we think Sato has... A race-winning car. Yes. Yes. I will like, put money on Takuma Sato to win the 500 because you're dumb not to. Do we think put DCR has a race-winning team? 
Yes. Yeah. We all agree. Maybe. Okay, moving on. That's all I wanted to get. Um, I tell you what, I would love to see Dale Coyne in victory lane. At this I think it would be it would be phenomenal. He would lose his mind. It would be. He might awesome. actually die right there on pit road. <laughs> oh, no. It, it would be complete. It wouldn't be like Mike Shank orders seventy two cases of beer to get to his house. It would be like eight hundred like magnum champagne bottles that Dale Coyne is simultaneously firing off all around victory lane. <laughs> to have Mike Shank, then Dale Coyne win in two consecutive years would be freaking awesome. It would be incredible. That would be just... Uh, oh, I do have American one thing that I meant to say. When we went through row five, row five is the best hair row in the entire field. I'm sorry, did Between you see Malukas, who was in row five? New Garden, and Ferrucci. You said best. Best, yes. Yeah, Ferrucci's in there. <laughs> so I take you don't agree. No. <laughs> All right. We're going to take the front three rows as a block here. Uh, because, quite frankly, you're now into the territory of every one of these guys can reasonably expect to drink the milk on Sunday afternoon. Well, eight of them. Roman Grosjean. Starting ninth outside of row three. Felix Rosenquist, middle of row three. Hato Award in seventh inside of row number three. Row two, Tony Kanan on the outside. Marcus Erickson in the middle. Ed Carpenter on the inside. And on the front row, the fastest front row in history. Renus VK, Alex Pillow, and your 234 mile an hour man, Mr. Scott Dixon. Ben, you say all but one. Who is the one that does not have a shot to win? Same one that I've been rooting against the entire month of May. <laughs> it is Roman Grosjean. He will not deliver a victory. Like I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear the opinion here, though. I what? like Pagano. Pagano is one of my favorite IndyCar drivers. What is it? Is it from a... You just don't like the guy? Or is there something in the team, the car? There's two parts. There's two parts. Um, part number one is admittedly a little a little, a little uh, Americanisms, but I just don't think he really gets it yet. I don't think it's just sort of this gut feeling of I don't think he gets IndyCar. I don't think he gets – he doesn't know what Indy means, to quote Little Al. He doesn't know what Indy means. He Neither found out Alexander Rossi. Yeah, but, I and I yeah, I don't like people hard. winning on their rookie on their rookie shot, and I'll exclude Jimmy from that because he, I think, yeah, if, yeah. if there's one thing you oh can say, <laughs> of course you will. Wow. All right, let's let's. Just there's an actual here. technical. Um, there's a real reason okay. to this. There is a real reason. That's not just me being a hater, and it's that I don't think Roman Grosjean has. The experience in these races, he doesn't have one. I just don't think he has that mentality yet. Of he's never done any has two oval races. He's now never I done anything close to this. That. Like I, I think, I just, out of the top nine, you wouldn't expect Malukas or if I mean, yeah, we think Kirkwood has a fast car and he is fast, but there's a reason his odds are so high. 
He's a rookie. But Kirkwood's also done dozens more oval races in his career. Also true. This but is not literally at, not Grosjean's speed, third professional oval race. I, and right. let's let's but also just, mention that all of those guys have not done anything close to 500 miles. Yeah. The closest they've been is 275 at Texas. This is different. Yes, that so is physically bad. demanding. It is what, not what the same. What would have to do to prove that he knows what Indy means, right? He comes Lose over here, he doesn't fashion. run ovals. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't run ovals last year. And then he sees the 500 and he goes, you know what? I want to do that. He didn't experience it until he experienced it in person. He's like, I've got to do that. Like, I think he gets it. I think he knows what it means. He's embraced no. IndyCar. He's embraced America. If he loses in heartbreaking fashion this year, like, like he comes, like, I don't know, he gets held up by a lap car on the last lap. and Okay. Marcus Erickson, of all people, passes him, and then he cries getting out of the car. I will fully admit that he knows what Indy means. Honestly, I just have a tough time believing. Honestly, as crazy as that sounds, that makes perfect sense to me. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna share some information. I was kind of in that boat until that happened. Like I've been around IndyCar for most of my life, but. I had kind of now this is going to sound blasphemous here being on an IndyCar podcast around people from any Indiana. But uh, but I, I knew that Indy was special and it meant a lot, but I didn't really personally put it as the top race until I lost a race in IndyCar race at Indianapolis in heartbreaking fashion. And it punched me in the gut. And that's when I knew what indie means so as weird as that sounds what you say ben makes absolutely perfect sense to me i don't know that's kind of disturbing but i is. think there is a serious mechanical thing of just he doesn't have the oval experience and andretti is andretti and they will andretti this uh, well i was gonna say you're gonna make what eight pit stops or so seven six pit stops course of 500 miles <laughs> Five, six cars. They have six cars. That's at least 30 chances for Andretti to light somebody on fire. But he is close to 50. I thought the 26 car is the one that gets set on fire. Colton Hurt also, Rossi has had, Rossi has had five. There's a Baikalas in this year. race. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I All don't right. think, I think uh, Grosjean is the odd man out of that. Top nine. It's kind of Ben doesn't favorite. get that joke because he doesn't like sports cars, Gene. I got the Baikalis joke. All right. With it the is image. time for us to do picks. We're already 90 minutes into this dumpster yes, we fire. We need to because I have work tomorrow. Let's let's make our picks for the winner and the anchovy of the Indianapolis 500, the 106th running of the greatest spectacle in racing. God, it just makes me happy to say that. It's freaking 500 weekend. Woo! Let's take a look here at the point standings to recap after the Indy qualifying runs here. Your points leader still James Watson. Yeah, yeah, boy. Second, Mike McCullen. Ben Carswell, Jason Owens still locked in a heated battle for the final podium position. 
And I am bringing up the rear of the field, but this is the big chance. It's a double points weekend here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, I will again defer. I will pick last. Uh, so that means we are going to go to Jason Owens. You have $10,000 riding on this. <laughs> but at the same time, you have a points championship to think about. Which Who one's wins really more important? At Indy this weekend. Oh, we're doing winners first. I'm going to take winners Ed. first. Ed? He brings it home. Ed. Are you oh, going to Ed. take anybody other than Ed until he wins one? At the 500? Hell no. <laughs> uh, let's see. Next up on the list will be Mike McCullen. Oh. <laughs> Look, he almost won it last year. He said that he's, you know, he knows what he did wrong last year, and now he's got the experience to do it again. I think Pillow is a, is a good choice. And Alex Pillow signed like a six-year-old's forehead the other day after qualifying on Sunday. Caused a bit of consternation amongst the assembled media watching Alex Pillow sign this young child's forehead. I think he made a great life choice there. Uh, next up on the list, Ben Carswell. Are you really going to be dumb enough to take Jimmy Johnson to win the 500? Yeah, Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I can't believe you guys are going to do I this. Can. You know I have real money on him too, right? I'm sure you do. And I will note, by the way, that I put that money on him directly after Texas. Not that I wouldn't have anyway, but I put it on him after Texas. 60 to 1 odds. He's now plus uh, Jason might know it better than I do, but I think he's around eighteen hundred now. He's either eighteen to one or twenty to one now. Yeah, he's all the way strong. under twenty to one. Yeah. I was ahead of the you curve. Got him at I invested. Was smart. Sixty to one. You can probably cash out for plus right now. They won't let all me right. cash out. Otherwise, James, I would have because that'd be sick. Are you sticking with your man? Do you even have to ask? Will Stand by your man. <laughs> ride okay. or die, baby. I'm a ride or die. Alrighty. Let's just take a look here, though, and recap who has not been picked yet. Two thirds in the front row Scott Dixon and <laughs> Renus VK. Expert commentary. People Can we just appreciate commentary. that we got a Tammy Wynette reference into. <laughs> This podcast, after you sang it like Hillary, <laughs> ninety-eight minutes. I'm the only one trying, and I'm I'm not using my heart to pick, and I'm using some intelligence because my heart would pick Connor Daly, but Alex Pillow actually has a chance. But to that's win not a bad pick. That's a, neither one of those is a bad pick. Say. And it means you Pillow's know what it means, pick. Mike. We have ignored row number clear. two almost entirely. Marcus Erickson I, and Tony Kanan. The entirety of row three. But we got two picks out of row four. Well, well, that's because we have no faith in AMSP to have any kind of race day adjustments. Yeah. I am really torn here. Scott Dixon would be the easy pick. 
Renus VK, my gut says the kid's going to win one on Sunday. It's you not a bad pick either. There's like there's 18 cars that wouldn't be a bad pick in this field. It's absolutely insane to try and pick who's going to win this year. The crazy I, thing is, is that even though James and I are obviously being completely and totally biased, they're not <laughs> bad picks. No, no. Power is wait, not a is, bad so is pick. mine a bad pick then? No, that's no, the thing. It's not oh, a bad okay. pick either. It's like, not a bad pick at all. Picks. He's starting okay. fourth. We have had almost everybody go with their heart, except for Mike, the heartless bastard over there. <laughs> I will also go with my heart on this one. And the American Legion Honda of Tony Kanan will pull into victory lane on Sunday. It's going to break my heart when he's actually somebody's anchovy for you, Chris. I, you know what? It's the place will go ballistic if TK wins. Actually, of course, considering it Chris's history, you should pick TK as your anchovy. You probably should. <laughs> no, it's Tony, it's absolutely amazing. Tony Kanan is the most adopted Hoosier of all time. He literally could run for mayor in Indianapolis and would be elected without even a vote. That's how much the people of Indianapolis love TK. I'm, yeah. Even more so than Elio. Indy does not appreciate tax fraud. Mm-hmm. That's not Didn't very good tax review. fraud. That is on our list of iceberg topics to cover, by the way. Does Indianapolis appreciate dancing with the that stars? entire story? I doubt it. All right, it is time for the anchovies. Jason Owens. Who is the biggest anchovy of the Indy 500? Oh, man. This is actually super hard because there's like a handful of guys that you could think could be first out. There's some guys you think could run well and end up bending it. Um, I'm actually going to go with Felix Rosenquist as my anchovy. That was on my list. Uh, (laughs) Again... From the whole not a bad pick department. Not a bad pick. Not not a bad pick whatsoever there. Uh, it was on my short list of anchovies for this weekend. I, I just, every something always goes wrong for Felix. I mean, literally every race, something goes horribly wrong. Where you just go, damn it, he was doing so well. Every race. He is and has appeared to inherit... The John Andretti luck, which, if it weren't for bad luck, he would have none at all. Yeah, no, that that is how Felix seems. That is absolutely appropriate there, Jason. That's that's a great call. Uh, Mike, who is your pick for the anchovy of the 500? Oh, there's there's so many. Um... (laughs) Yeah, you've put zero thought into this beforehand. (laughs) As he, oh, looks, I, as he looks down the starting grid going, who should I pick? <laughs> so I I feel like the anchovy's going to come from row eight. I feel like Marco's too easy. I feel like DeFrancesco's too easy. Uh... Sage is probably the highest opportunity first out. He either finishes high or he's first out. So yes. it's not yeah. a bad call. 
Yeah, it's, it, it's not a bad call, but I don't know. If, he's always first out. I don't know if this is the year that he... Uh, Would that? That well, you see, that us. also raises the question of, is it really an anchovy then? Yeah, because the trick is you don't want to pick someone that always sucks. You know, I mean, you could always go with the guy that has Brian Barnhart on his box. <laughs> <laughs> that's, see, that's too easy. I, I feel like at this point, Rossi's so beaten down, it's just punching down at him. You remember um, last year when the Or the other question could be, how many cars does does uh, DeFrancesco take out in a wreck? And yeah. does that make him the gonna, I, I think DeFrancesco is... He's gonna stink it up this weekend for sure. We'll he takes the chalk pick. Twice. He takes the Canadian. He takes chalk and bagged milk. Hey, I, I, I'm in it to beat James here. Like I'm, I'm in it for this points championship. I don't care about the, the rest of you. I want to win something. goddammit. That's awesome. I don't know what you're gonna win, but okay. Uh, ben, who will be the anchovy of the weekend? Um. Well, originally, I was going to go with Felix Rosenquist. That was my plan. Uh, that was stolen from me. I considered some other names. I considered Graham Rahal, but considering how horrible he's been this weekend, I expect him to be horrible in the race. So I'm not sure that's really an anchovy. Um, I don't know. I was looking, and then it kind of hit me. Phoenix. Uh, no, I'm not, because I've, I've shit on him enough. Uh, Put your pick where your mouth is. Going full Amber Heard here. No, because I did that in qualifying and it didn't work. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Marcus Erickson. He has been at nearly the top of almost every practice session. He qualified fifth. If he doesn't finish top five or top three, is it a bad run? If he finishes like 13th, do you sit there and go, dude, you had one of the fastest cars? Uh, you know I what? think it depends no. on the circumstances, but maybe. I do. I Marcus Erickson has three career top 15 starts at the Speedway, a best finish of 11th, and an average finish right around 23rd. Damn. Yeah, so if you have one of the top five fastest cars of the month and you finish in the bottom half of the field, that's arguably an anchovy. So uh, I don't arguably. Think a bad Look, pick. if TK goes and finishes in pick. the bottom half of the field, you're like, that's without a happened? doubt an anchovy if TK finishes in the bottom half of the field. His run last yes. year was an anchovy. Um, all right, James, it is your turn here. Colton Herta. Why do you keep picking him? Let him live his life. Because he knows Herta's <laughs> going to be first out on lap seven. But his engine blows. The only success Herta's going to have in the next couple of weeks is a new Zips record coming out on the third. You know, um, they're talking about getting some clean cuts in for the for the broadcast. Did you know that? Yes, there is discussion <laughs> that Colton Herta will be having some Zibs, clean Zibs. Delivered to the NBC production truck, so we have to suffer through the zibs on race day. <sighs> Mike, can you stop taking pictures of us, please? My here is my pick for your anchovy of the five hundred. 
Don't it's either don't. hero or zero for this guy Number this weekend. There is no in between. Anything less than a win would be a disappointment at this point for Scott Dixon. I knew you were going to go there. That's it. That's a a West level take. brave. It's simultaneously brave and wise. I that car is so darn quick, and there are so many tiny little things that it's the third time we're going to say it. The Speedway picks its winners. And Scott Dixon, outside of once, has never been that guy. 17th last year, second in 2020. 17th, although, God, now I'm really regretting this. I'm going to go back to 2017. He finished 32nd. 2018, he finished third. 2019, 17th. 2020, he finished second. 2021, he finished 17th. If you if you like the numerology, it astrology looks really stuff, bad for you, Chris. <laughs> Scott Dixon is going to win the Indianapolis 500 this weekend. <laughs> Dixie, I love how you, you're welcome. You, you, how do you manage to pick the wrong one and just realize it immediately? 39 pitting in. I, you know what? So James make your anchovy in, TK. <laughs> No, and make no, your winner I'm Scott sticking Dixon. with these picks. I am going with my heart on this one. I, in all reality, if Dixon finishes fifth, is that a disappointment? If he has a very yes. average day and finishes fifth, yeah, it is. That's an anchovy kind of day for Scott Dixon. It's, 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 it's an arguable anchovy. Like it's in a discussion based on how poorly the other anchovies did. Right? If he gets Correct. like, if he has a last year type incident and rebounds to fifth, then that's a great. Good job. But if he just uh, yes. runs fifth, that's, I mean, come on. You know what I mean? Same thing for Erickson. If Erickson has a tough race, then yeah. But if he just runs 10th, I mean, you, you can't run 10th with one of the Who'd I pick? Cars. Rosenquist? Like, if Rosenquist yeah. finishes 27th, that's a bigger anchovy than Dixon running fifth. So, yes. with, with my anchovy pick, if he doesn't wreck anyone versus if he wrecks everyone, what's where, where's my anchovy fall? If, if he, he if he finishes top, Joey? you lose. Yeah. Either way, if Di Francesco <laughs> finishes top twenty and has a clean race, you lose. If <laughs> Di Francesco finishes thirty third and has a clean race, Mike loses. If he has a mechanical yes. failure, you lose. It's a risky you, pick. It it's feast or famine. But we all know Di Francesco could Roberto Guerrero the field on the warm up lap. And take out seven guys. Uh, no, and none what? of us would be surprised. Here's here's how De Francesco wins the anchovy. If he goes Roberto Guerrero nineteen eighty seven. If he manages to launch a tire into the crowd, kill a spectator, and <laughs> still not win the race, De Francesco is your anchovy. Oh. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen, but it's a risky so, Mike, you're if a he loser. takes out Ray Howell and Castro Nevis again, that he's uh, like, oh, my that. God. Could you imagine, though, if DeFrancesco wipes out, like, two or three Andrettis in one wreck? Ah, yes. That, so, that, yes. here's the that's thing. DeFrancesco has the opportunity to take out Rossi, Andretti, Hurton, McLaughlin, Castro Nevis. On the first lap, the he would he need, could take he out would five out, need a police escort out of the in place. turn one. 
Yeah, you could take out Marco and Colton in one go. Oh my god, could you imagine the scene if he took out Marco and Colton? And he would need a police Could you imagine escort? the smirk on Rossi's face if that happened? <laughs> Could you imagine the smirk on Kyle Kirkwood's face? I was just going to say, Kirkwood. Kirkwood As he comes home to a comfortable P9. See, I don't know about that, though, because Kirkwood has to drive on that team next year. And he I has to drive so through that, that incident when it happens. So, All right. The smirk that, is he's to get out of here. It is way too long that we've been doing this. Fantastic show, boys. As always, we will discuss doing a watch along for the 500. Um, it is a distinct maybe at this point. We'll definitely be doing a drink along. Yes. Um, but we'll post it up on the socials if we'll be doing the watch along for the 500. I would imagine we're going to do something. If not, a race watch along, probably a post race kind of instant reaction recap kind of thing. But with that, we are getting out of here. This was a fantastic show tonight for Jason Owens, James Watson, Mike McCullen, Ben Carswell, our buddy, Christian Jasper, who again is going to sit on zero points. Well done, Jasper. You might be beating me still at this point. My name is Chris Graham. It's a pleasure to have you listening to us. I can't believe you're still sitting here this long, but we love you if you do. Till the next one, we'll see you later.